There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. If you're the type of person that goes to liberty as other people would go on safari, and the fact that John Lewis doesn't have a funeral service makes you fret, Sarah Smith cleaning cloths are for you. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. This week's episode is sponsored by Voitel. They provide business telephone systems, latest technology, customised and tailored to suit business requirements, remote management and configuration. Their selling points are that they lower costs by removing line rentals, increase flexibility and fit in with the business rather than making the business fit in with their phone system. They're based in mainland UK. Hmm. Hi, Charlotte Martin here. I play the character you love to hate, Susan Carter. Get your questions to me on dumptydum.com via SpeakPipe because I'll be joining Lucy and Royfield on the show on October the 24th for a Village Shop special. So get your tabards and name badges at the ready and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Hello, Royfield, Lucy, and all the dumpty dumpty dumptyers. I'm Edmund King, OBE, President of the AA, the Automobile Association, at AA President on Twitter, where we would like to thank you for awarding us the Dumpty Dum Road Rescue Service Award for 2016. It really is a huge honour to win this prestigious award. I'd like to thank my mother. Well, she introduced me to the Archers about 50 years ago, and whenever we heard that music, it was always bedtime to give mother some rest from the nine kids. The first character I remember? That would be Walter Gabriel, remember the voice. Or the plot when his son, Nelson, was reported missing in the plane crash. His fingerprints were found on a bottle of whiskey that implemented him in the Borchester mail van robbery. He was acquitted. But was he really innocent? Now, unfortunately, we won't be renaming to the Archers Automobile Association, but we'd like to offer 
some automobile advice to Ambridge residents. We want to offer Helen some AA Trust Drive Confident lessons to help her get back on the road after Nasty Rob destroyed her confidence. And drivers, you need to be aware of the mud left on the road by Adam's tractor. Plot predictions? Well, the Fair Brothers pickup truck. It will probably fall victim to a breakdown and we'll be happy to attend. So, thanks again for the award. Dum de dum de dum de dum dum de dum de dum dum. This is Dum de Dum, the show about reality docky drama that centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. On the breakfast in bed, that is Royfield. Bre- That's a great reggae song, that actually, Lucy. What? Breakfast in bed? Yeah. It is on Never me. Heard that. You don't have to say you love me. That's yeah, great. Classic lovers rock. I'll put it, put it at the end of the show. But we've got lots of things that come at the end of the show. Ooh-hoo-hoo. We have. Yeah, we, we, we've got a special treat for you folks. But anyway, more on that later. Now, <laughs> let's, let's just read that again. Let's get back into our flow. I am the breakfast in bed. That is Royfield Brown. And with me are the tantrum pensioner. That is... Lucy Freeman. And more excitingly, we have the amazing... Emerald O'Hanrahanrahanrahan, who plays Emma Grundy. Woohoo! And the last part of our best birthday ever, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumby Dum comes from Edmund King, OBE, president of the Archers <laughs> Automobile Association. We don't mess about, do we, Luce? That That was one of the funniest. I just got a message from Royfield that was a series of expletives followed by the words, Listen to this! <laughs> there he was. <laughs> and there were you last week saying we didn't have a social media strategy. I never said that, you know. You did. You keep telling me I said that, but I didn't. What oh, did I was you say? Not, oh, yes, joking about that. Yes, 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 mm. yes. Yeah. So we have OBEs that listen yes. to, to Dum De Dum. But that was just super duper funny. Somebody said, What feed am I looking at? Is this you and yours? They they got the <laughs> Because we were comparing the best breakdown recovery service, whether it was Green Flag, the RAC, or whether it was the AA, or should we say the AAA. And very obviously, you know who won. It was the Archers Automobile Association, previously known as just the Automobile Association, the AA. And that absolutely made my day. So, um, Edmund King, OBE, we salute you. Thank you for that, sir. Now, Luce, Mm -hmm. um, if anybody else would like to sponsor us or send in a dum-de-dum or just anything, really, um, how can they do that? Uh, if you would like to sing us a dum-de-dum, give us a plot prediction or have your mother offer to give your colostomy bag a quick rinse through, then <laughs> ring us on 0203-0313-105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, to Shambridges for her amazing voices, to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us and to Derek for in the back bedroom. Derek is keenly following... The U.S. elections. Uh, he was a Trump supporter, but mm-hmm. he's now lost faith entirely, as he says. How can you trust a man who thinks just because you're famous, it's okay to just go ahead and grab a woman's cat? <laughs> Lucy, <laughs> you know, you know. I said we've got somebody, something very special at the end of the show. Yes. Right. Uh, so I'll just tell people who it is. Do you remember, um, good listener? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was savaged on the iTunes review section by somebody called Clem Cott. I actually speak to him. And do you know one of the things he talks about, Lucy? No. You and your potty mouth. However. Right. I well, do the believe shows in are Britain. available, you know. Well, mm, 
I, I'm sure at some point in our two hour conversation, I said something very similar. We talked for quite a long time, but don't worry, folks. It's not a two hour long addition to this show. <laughs> um, I did edit it down to about 15 minutes. Ah, to get salient yeah. points. That is a good segue. Now, uh-huh. Jacks, we're, we're yes. a magic team, aren't we? Because I are. queued you up. and, and, and you, mm. Same lust that was. Right. Dumpty Dummers. Here's the thing. Royfield is a nice man. Me, not so much. I am not nice and I am less of a man in every respect. So I am bad cop in this partnership. So therefore, <laughs> me, therefore, to give you all some bad news. We have decided, this is my suggestion, which Royfield has unwillingly gone along with-ish, um, that we're going to have to cut down the calls. Uh, as you know, we love uh, everyone that rings in and this show is built around you lot ringing in but the more listeners we get and there's now thirty-five thousand of you the more callers we get the longer the show gets and the longer it takes royfield to edit it and you to listen to it. the fact that the podcast is now longer than the omnibus of the program that the podcast is about is getting a bit loony really so i suggested to royfield that we pick eight calls each week maximum two minutes each We'll try and pick different ones each week. So everyone gets to go and everyone gets to to put their two penny worth in. And also, if you're an emailer in a don't think you are going to escape my vicious cull. Because if you email in, we're going to pick one point of your email to make the point. I'm really, really sorry if this sounds harsh. I'm aware it's horrible and I'm aware that Royfield's hiding under the desk. But we really don't want to end up with a 14 hour show, which is where we're heading now. So please don't stop calling in. That's not what we want you to do. Please, please, please don't stop calling in. We love the calls. But also, please don't be miffed if you don't make the cut a particular week. It'll just be because someone else has made the same point or something like that. So that's it. So we are going to have to start being more um, taking more editorial decisions about what uh, what goes out, because otherwise the show is just going to get longer and longer and longer. Uh, So. It was me. You can all shout at me and you can all blame me. And Royfield, you can come out from under the desk now. Is it safe? Yes. Um, They're all throwing things at my head, not yours. It's all right. Other thing to say is because it has been taking me so long to edit, I did kind of screw up last week by not including. I only thought two calls were included, but it looks like it was three. So um, that was Goddess Diva, Jan from Cannes, and then um, also Debs from Germany. And I wasn't aware, Debs, that your call wasn't actually in. I did edit it into the show, but when I export it, when I hit save, um, it didn't save. And that is in part because what I'm not doing, everybody, is listening back to the recording before I upload it because it's taken me the best part of a whole working day (laughs) to do. So then when you've got, when I've done eight hours to add another two hours onto that to listen to the show (laughs) is just a a step too far. So um, mistakes now abound because the length that it takes me to edit the show. So, um, so there you go. Hopefully you all understand, but we still love you all. Yeah. (gasps) Right now (laughs) on this week's truncated show. We have calls from Sarah from Cambridge, who's wistfully romantic. Yokel Bear, who thinks Jill was being grumpy. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Steve, who thinks that Jill was churlish. Steve, the pirate, who thinks Rob is going on the run. Witherspoon, who thinks Pip is out of line. And Andrew Horn, who's happy to see two role models in the village. But first, 
It's Lucy V. Freeman's week in Ambridge. Helen took a veg box to the Dowager Lady Kaz of Crim. The Honourable Cat <laughs> expressed surprise that her children had received a box full of muddy turnips with the yells of delight that Helen claimed they had. But Helen reiterated that they had loved it. Just for a minute, she sounded like the old bossy Helen trying to inflict her certainty on the rest of the world. Titchinop tried to front it out at the cricket club, hoping for cheers, but they gave him the clap instead. Well, what do you think? <laughs> You've all been very quiet, asked Titchinop of the entirely silent cricket team. It was interesting to hear them all slow clap, as it made me realise that Ambridge were actually playing a full team. For months, I thought it was Harrisman, Adam, Johnny and one of Auntie Cardboard's gingers. Titchy Knob <laughs> has now started laughing in a rather delirious, maniacal manner, which applies to me anyway, that he's about to go full on postal. He sounds like Herbert Lom in the Pink Panther. Any day now, he'll have developed a twitchy eye and will be rushing around the village starkers, waving his colostomy bag about and shouting, Real custard, real custard, I hate tuna, I love tuna. Anyway, I am in both and ha ha ha. Hooty Jill began her 186th birthday party with breakfast in bed. She had a pot of tea, 14 rounds of toast and an entire Victoria sponge. It was going to be the best birthday ever, said Pip, before ruining it before by inviting the one person that Hootie Jill expressly hates above all others and then being flabbergasted when Jill started throwing icing at everyone and shouting, I don't want that pillock here and anyway, it's my party and no one asked me. <laughs> Johnny went completely berserk, setting up a mock interview for Tom for his scholarship. Our panel's brilliant. Johnny really <laughs> needs to set his watch right. He greets everyone with the words, can I just have a quick word? I'm in a bit of a rush. And then ends it with, I must go. I'm in a real rush. This is apparently because he can't get into the bathroom because Henry and Helen are in there all the time at Bridge Farm. So presumably he's belting around Ambridge, trying to find some kind of working lavatory before his wellies fill up entirely. Especially when he's living on the Bridge Farm diet, which is almost exclusively leak-based. Anyway... Um. This mock interview, it was just an informal thing, but very realistic. Realistic because there were no women on it. Uh, just a panel of interviewers, uh, some cameras, a podium, a stage, a few mics, full hair and makeup and Francis <laughs> Coppola to direct. Brian wasn't sure what his motivation was, but Johnny paced up and down, whacking his riding crop on his job, saying, think hostile, Brian, think Samuel L. Jackson. As it was, the panel took Tom apart, but it wasn't that difficult after Tom had used the immortal phrase, I stuck to my sausages. I knew hygiene was <laughs> a priority at Bridge Farm, but I had no idea they were actually adhering to the foodstuffs. Uh, Princess Alice Eugenie Adenoids coloured in some like brilliant pictures for her like online presentation. Adenoids was horrified that she didn't get unequivocal praise from Daddy for her colouring in and marched off in a huff. She is becoming more like Kate than Kate. I bet you're missing your sweet things now you're not living with Ian, said Jenny. That was a little personal, I felt. She was <laughs> feeding Adam biscuits through the hole in his box of scampi fries. After Adam had run through every permutation of what Ian might do, he then had the revolutionary idea of going to talk to Ian. No, for God's sake, don't do that, said Jenny, darling. Never, ever talk to the person who'll be able to give you an answer. It's so much better to keep aimlessly guessing with me, though, darling. Have another biscuit, I'll climb in. <laughs> Then Alice turned up with her laptop and clambered in too. The sides of the scampi fries box were bulging by this time with mournful Aldridge's biscuits and computer hardware. But as a family, they've never been able to tell when enough was enough. Are you looking at that again, Susan? said Neil. Yes, she said. Until the rash has gone, I'm going to have to keep looking at it. Take your overalls off next time. Anyway, Neil had a quiet <laughs> word with Kate 
who had a less than quiet, tactful word with Susan. Basically, Susan, Neil said your chakras look like a couple of spaniels ears and your cheese flapping around like a windsock. There was a lovely little exchange with Arsula and Pat, in which Arsula felt that Titchy Knob should be allowed to see Giddy Jack earlier. Helen's response was roughly the same as Titchy Knob's stoma. Bag of shite. Helen discovered that Titchy Knob <laughs> had whipped everything out faster than Lillian when Justin has a quick 10 minutes before a board meeting. Sausage Boy hit the trail and headed into number one, the green. Good, quick, everyone move into all the available houses so that Titchy Knob and Ursula have to eat toad in the hole in the culvert. Somehow there will be a point to that culvert. There will, damn it. Anyway, Sausage Boy was busily planning turning number one, the green, into a little pad of seduction for enticing Krusty. Mm. Bunting up and filled it with marsh warblers. Then Johnny announced he was moving in, went galloping round there with his bowels at bursting point and then discovered that Tom <laughs> had ripped out the lavatory and replaced <laughs> the reed bed sewage system. Kate is doing a world-class impression of somebody who is saner than sane. She knows that any sudden lunges at his chi will send Roy skedaddling for the hills, but she did tell him to get back out there, whip open the nearest pair of tent flaps he can find and get his pole up. The end! Lucy. Yep. I enjoyed that this week. But well... In reference, though. In reference to um, the special person that... We have two special people on the show this we week, do. don't we? We are I, a wash with special persons. We are. But one of them mm. is a little bit more special than the other. So <laughs> I, I was referring to the my bet noir, the man who, who kind of savaged me, who's at the end of the show. But we kind of have somebody now, don't we? Right now, we, right now we have ooh, the ooh. woman of the hour, Dame Emma of Grundy. Awesome. <laughs> This is very exciting because Emma, our our listeners have always had a somewhat um, somewhat ambiguous <laughs> relationship with Emma for various yeah, reasons, um, <laughs> and uh, especially because she can be a bit snarky with Kirsty sometimes as well. Um, yeah, she's very threatened by Kirsty. She is. Very. She really is, isn't she? She really is. It's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> um, and then we had Friday. And we had yeah. Baroness Emma of Grundy absolutely <laughs> ripping Rob a new one, which was just fantastic. People were standing up and applauding, and you know there were there were you had standing ovations in kitchens all over the UK. So oh, it's um, so exciting! Yeah, <laughs> it's a long time coming. <laughs> well, you were, you were the first. Emma was the first. Sorry, I know I keep saying you, and I mean Emma. That's obviously. all right. That's all right. But Emma was the first person that actually told Rob she was not happy with his behavior everyone else yeah. was kind of like oh my god he's coming quick everybody run away and they'd yeah. all people off and emma just said yeah, she's no, brave she is brave she's become a really strong woman it's it's been amazing seeing her kind of evolution from um her obviously slightly uh problematic youth yeah her kind of adolescence, which was obviously incredibly lots of stupid mistakes, but just seeing how, especially since since she's had Kira and since her since Susan's mom, her nan died, um, and all of her kind of growing up in the show has been really, I think it's been beautifully written, mm -hmm. and it's just lovely. I just felt so kind of honoured to be given that tirade. I'd been desperate to tell him, you know, for yeah. years. <laughs> I remember when he first came into the show and everyone was going, 
he's lovely and he could be really nice he's got this caramel voice and couldn't you listen to him forever I was like yeah I could he's got an amazing voice and obviously Tim is a lovely man but that character is evil (laughs) and I was sure that he'd kill Helen I was sure he'd put her in the hospital at least so it didn't obviously I mean we don't know anything about where things go I was gonna say how much did you guys know about I didn't know a thing really didn't know a thing yeah I was listening as a real listener and as a fan and I've always been a fan and um and it was really exciting I mean I didn't know about the stabbing until just before it really until just before it happened till the month we they were recording it and then listening to it and I you know it was it I mean that was a powerful episode yeah and um but I but I listened to that episode as a fan as a listener and all the fallout from it, all the build-up to it. Obviously, I have my place in the show, and um, her and Helen have a friendship, mm. which is so beautiful, yeah. so lovely. And I, I always feel like if, if like everything Emma has, I mean, she's. I, I do think she's grown up a lot, and I mm. do think she's a a sweet girl and and a good mum and a and a good person. Actually, she's brave and she's courageous, but um, and she's moved on from this kind of really tempestuous youth a lot and really developed. Ed but, being the tempestuous youth. In yeah, exactly. Ed and Will <laughs> and all that, all that nonsense. But, um, but she does like, um, you do get the feeling that everything she has, she feels she could lose at any moment. So she's really like yeah. this business with Fallon, you know, she's really pleased about that. She holds on to that, but any kind of small threat like Kirsty, yeah, is like gets her kind of like tiger, comes out and uh and everything with Helen you know when when her and Rob eloped I she obviously took that really hard yeah thought that thought that it meant that Helen really didn't think of her as a friend and she's got a bit of Susan's kind of ladder climbing instincts Mm. and I think she really values this friendship with Helen because it's like a better sort of friend you know yeah (laughs) better class of friend in the village well I think um, she's always at the poor girls always had um Christopher rammed down her yeah. throat, hasn't she? As you know, oh, yeah, he's, golden balls, especially yeah. because of his his health problems in the beginning yeah. and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So you know, and now he's and then and he's, he's married into the Aldridges and the Pony Club and all that. Yeah, he's and, really married well, and Emma yeah, really and, had a rocky Emma, start. Emma was, Emma was kind of the the embarrass the embarrassment, yeah. of, you know. And then there's poor yeah. old Emma, you know. Oh yeah. Also, and especially with the with her poverty storyline yeah. and everything, it's all it. She's she's always in that. She's cast in that poor Emma kind of thing. I think that the scene of Emma and the food bank was one of the first kind of intimations of the recession being dealt with in in sort yeah. of um, soaps and and sort of mainstream media. Really, it hadn't. Yeah. You know, because EastEnders always does things with a very, very broad brush. And if anything goes wrong, they just blow the pub up or something. But, you know, it's, <laughs> the Archers is so much more. I mean, I know we take the mickey out of it, but it is so much more subtle in a lot of ways. And I feel yeah, that incredibly... really happens in, in real time. Yeah. That's a real luxury of radio. Yeah. yeah. But I found that really moving. The yeah. Emma in the food bank and, and eating, saying, oh, no, I've eaten. And, and yeah. you know, because she wanted to make sure that the children got food and everything it was it was heartbreaking and it was really hard to to I mean it was again it was an honor but it was it was it was hard playing that storyline just because she's so it you know it's no joke 
No. And and what I mean, we were getting letters saying they'd be entitled to this benefit and that benefit, and, you know. <laughs> but and how could a village let that happen? To you know, everyone would be in each other's pockets. But the pride thing, not yeah. wanting to go down that route and not wanting anyone to see her as a victim yeah. anymore. You know, she'd made this. She'd chosen Ed. They had this life together. She had her kids they were working so hard and yet they just couldn't make it work. And it's such a common story for, yeah. for so many families. Um, and especially at that time. And it did, it really felt like we were carrying something. We got a lot of, uh, Barry who plays Ed and, and I both got a lot of uh, feedback and, and we got letters sent and it was really, it seemed to really touch, uh, the listeners, which was really, mm. um, yeah, it was so powerful. Um, what did, do you do you feel that her sort of because of the the sort of when she talked about this week i know you're all out of time but the um <laughs> the, this this week was the scene in which she mentioned to helen about um uh susan having been in prison and how she missed her and, yeah. and all that do you think that sense of sort of temporariness or or, mm. or kind of a, it does that come from all of a sudden overnight your life changes she's had so many sort of shocks to the system hasn't she yeah she has yeah I think that's a really a really great kind of thing to think about with her really great question because she has I love I love delving into it like this it's brilliant um <laughs> I I thought I was really pleased because obviously we just get sent the scripts about a week before we record them. We don't know. We're not in storyliners meetings. Mm. We we don't get synopses. We just turn up with the scripts that we're doing, maybe three out of a month, and and have our little bit. And so having suddenly having a scene with Helen where I talked about Susan and mm. and her going to prison and all of that, I just I loved that it, we were able to have a conversation because I've been thinking it was so... It must have been so kind of, I mean, she's always felt for Henry mm. and um, it seems. And, and they had that lovely relationship when the kids were very young. There's not much difference in age between them. And, and I think she, especially looking after him in the summer and, and all that, that she she really kind of, yeah, looked at him and saw, yeah, that temporary kind of feeling that that gives you. Mm. I mean, Neil is like the most solid dad. You wouldn't, yeah. you know, you can't think of a better father. It just makes me cry how sweet he is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He's just such a lovely guy. But there must there must be a lot of residual damage from from her being yeah. You know, from her so much shame. Yes. From her mum being she is that kind of she's got that horribin shame thing, you know, it's part well, to of be the fair, genes. she's got it's... a fair fair deal to be ashamed about. I mean That's the fair, hor- but I mean even the horribins haven't covered you know? themselves in glory, have they, really? No, but I mean you But think Emma's how... done nothing. Emma's been, you know she's just a, a victim of the, the sort of the the reputation of, of, of her family and she's all, but she's yeah. always, you know, before she did anything and... herself, she's already got all this shame, yeah. this inherited shame, you know? Yeah. So what, what do you do with that? So it's a really interesting kind of dynamic there. Yeah. And she was, I've just, yeah. I, when you said about her being brave, I mean, she was the one who shopped her own uncle, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she was. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more important to Emma than her family. Yeah. It's, it's all family. She sees when, when I, first started playing her I, I I talked a lot to Julie Beckett who was the exec producer at that point one of the executive producers 
and um and we talked about Emma's kind of her selfishness and her um that sort of attitude of white noise white noise white noise something about me white noise white noise white noise (laughs) and it it really is that but I think once she once she committed to Ed and she had her kids they're really extensions of herself and she has that kind of my family my family my family nothing else is really relevant you know yeah her business is relevant she loves that but because that's herself but do you know what I mean it's yes. really like to be brutal about it I really love Emma I love her yeah but, um, but she is that there's nothing she won't do and she's you know she saved Christmas a couple of times for her kids <laughs> and it was the best Christmas and, uh, ever yeah. ever yeah no it's lovely it's really lovely but she is she's brave when when it comes to her family she's brave yeah. and also she props Ed because Ed has far more wobbles yeah. than she does yeah and I know she's also had to sort of get over his um his slightly chauvinist, what do you mean you're earning more money than I am? I shouldn't have yeah, to rely on you, struggled. blah, blah, blah. He's really struggled he's with that, struggled hasn't he? struggled with that, yeah. Which I thought was a really lovely kind of... He's such a good guy, mm. but even he has these little foibles, you mm. know? And of course he does. He's this man in this world, and it's all very simple for him. And he's always had that, with all the poverty line and everything, he had that... I should be able to yeah. provide that emasculated feeling yeah. from not being able to provide. And then when Emma, you know, first of all, it was like, yeah, yeah, your pin money kind of thing. And then it's like, oh, hang on. This is a threat, almost, yeah. which is just, you know, I mean, it boggles my mind, but, so, but you can sort of see how he'd come to think that. So the, the animosity with, with Kirsty, you think, oh. is, <laughs> is a kind of a, is a, um, a sort of, a residual you might be as good at this as I am and so yeah, therefore better. you may replace me because not, ultimately yeah. I'm disposable and other people aren't yeah. sort of thing. She might have a, a, a less complicated friendship with Fallon. She might be easier to kind of she she's she's got more kind of she's a career girl, isn't she? Mm. She's not tied down with a family. Yeah. And so's Fallon. And so there's that she's always feeling I think Emma probably is that sort of girl where she you know she was always the third in a group of friends yeah it feels like that that yes. she was always like don't leave me out I, yeah. but she was always the one that the girls at school would you know ah, oh, not you anymore kind of thing yeah and and she's terrified of that happening because it was her and Fallon that's lovely mm. and then Kirsty's gonna come in what and so it's just mm. it's really lovely having these little little jibes every now and again just yeah being like no can you just leave us alone, Kirsty. We've got this covered. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a whole tablecloth debacle, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I bet she didn't have to give Nick a hard time. I know. But then uh, Nick hit George. I think it yeah. took her so long to forgive that. Mm. Oh, you don't hit someone else's kid. No. You don't hit your own kid. I mean, come no. on. <laughs> But yes, it was it was a very complicated one with with Nick, I think, because she's I think she had that when her and she was happy with Ed. She's so, you know, she made the right choice eventually and had this thing sorted with Will. And I think it took her ages to get to the point where she accepted that she wanted Will to be happy Mm. with someone else. Yeah, I think she really wanted to be with Ed and for Will to be sort of wanting her, yes. you know? Yeah. 
And um, and I think that was a difficult dynamic to know that he really was never going to he was over her completely. And he there was no he was with another woman. He had a new family and that Nick, you know, has her own demons and and is a very particular sort of girl Mm. Um, and isn't particularly easy, I think. I do like the way at the moment with them all living in the same house. Yeah. That, uh, Emma's kind of taken on the Clary mantle with Joe. Yeah. And she just yeah, says, oh, brilliant. come on, Joe. And it's just kind of like <laughs> yeah. trying to prod him off the sofa or cheer him <laughs> up or stop him doing something wildly unsuitable with a ferret somewhere or something. And it's kind of just very, she's quite maternal with him, but yeah, also she doesn't take she any is. nonsense either. She just, no. she knows exactly what he's like. He's kind of one of the kids, isn't he? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> A big, old, smelly kid. Yeah, ferrety man. (laughs) (laughs) It's just glorious they're all back on Grange Farm. I just love it. Absolutely love it. So what what point in the storyline did you take over from Felicity Jones? So I took over in January 2010, I believe. So she'd at that point, she'd not been heard for a year. She'd been sort of out the back or pushing the kids to bed. (laughs) for a year year. (laughs) and then uh she came in and had a conversation with pip who was at that point played by helen monks right and uh and that was my first scene oh it was terrifying (laughs) but um absolutely terrifying because i like i said always been a listener i'd always been a fan and um and i'd noticed in the past when people had changed and been really bothered by it and um, and I was so nervous Aww. to get the voice right and to get the character there. And, you know, oh, yeah. Emma's I just voice, loved it. Emma's though. voice is one of my favourite aspects of The Archers. Is I, it? Absolutely. Have you heard um, uh, Harriet Carmichael, Shambridges, who can do your voice? Can she? she can, no, yeah, I yeah, haven't. Yeah. You, I'll send you a recording Amazing. of it. Would Harriet, you? I'd love that. Harriet is a genius. And we do a little advert where, um, uh, where she's talking about... Um, Juicy Couture tracksuits, and um, she says, "Well, I can, I can carry it off, but Nick can't." Sort of. There's this, girl, you know, and but Harriet's voice is absolutely spot on. But it's a real blend of Susan and Clary. Yeah, it's really, yeah. it's really interesting. But I love the way that you've softened Susan and made her. <laughs> it's Susan's voice, but it's kind of less spiky and prickly, and slightly more seductive as well. It's a lovely voice. It's such a good accent. <laughs> Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you. How did you, how <laughs> how do you decide what the voice is going to be? Do you just listen like mad to the person before? At what point do yeah. you think I can? I'm not doing an impersonation here. I've got to make this my own. But yeah, so I I think I listened to. I think I had two uh, omnibuses that were sent to me by by Julie um, when they were sort of considering me for Emma and. Um, and I just listened to those nonstop for a couple of weeks and learned her voice. And I learned it like an act, you know, like you would at drama school or whatever, yeah. like as an accent, wrote it all out phonetically, that exactly what sounds where, try and find out where it sits in the vocal tract and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, um, and got really technical with it. And, and I just sort of knew Emma inside out, like like everyone does, mm. you know. With she's sort of, she's a year ish older than me, and she's been, you know, I'd been listening. Well, properly, I was listening with um, around that storyline when with the 
uh, Ed and Will, and that got right. me listening. And um, and so I'd I'd really I'd grown up with these people, like so many people do. And so I did know her. I didn't particularly like her as a listener. <laughs> um, but it was uh, Julie talked to me about it and said, you know, there is a breathy quality. Um, it is quite rooted, though. She's quite kind of it's not this kind of up up in your head voice. Yeah. And it's this blend of she spent Felicity spent apparently a lot of time with Charlotte, who plays Susan um, and mimicked her voice and was sort right. of like, how would that happen if you were more of a kind of if you were younger and, yeah. and you had these other influences but you're her daughter. How would you, how would you speak? And so she she blended. She was the one that that did that brilliant blending. I just copied it because um, she has got a bit of a vocal. It's like a vocal creak with a breath yeah. as well, isn't it? Yeah, Which, exactly. And the vocal creak is a very this That's the, this decade kind of exactly her rage creak, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's something that Felicity has in yeah. her voice. So she was sort of melding her own voice. So I think she's originally from Birmingham with Charlotte, who's from Birmingham, Birmingham. Um, but, but um, you know, making Ambridge. And, um, and so, yeah, when I took over, I was really strict. To, I would write the phonetics above each line and I, I really didn't want to mess this up kind of thing. And I would listen back um, when it aired and be really brutal with myself, be like, oh, that didn't sound quite... But there you were must a few have driven times... yourself mad if you were doing that oh, for months. I do. I do drive myself mad. I'm <laughs> such a perfectionist. It's nuts. But I've sort of let that slide a bit. There were a few times, though, in studio when, when Charlotte at the, at the beginning was like, oh, it was like having Felicity by me oh, when, when we were in studio, great. which was really encouraging. So that, that, those sorts of things made me really kind of chill out about it because I was, re- I was just so worried. I was sort of blocking myself. You yeah. Know? So um, so after a while, I did sort of soften and I started to trust that her voice was just there. And it is now. I mean, this all sounds so kind of calculated and um, it's been quite a natural process. It doesn't sound I, calculated. I think it just sounds like somebody who really understands the character. I do love her now. I and really you, yeah, do. Well, you can she's see, awesome. Yeah, you can see that because even when, because now when she's being snarky, you can forgive her. <laughs> because she's yeah. grown up but before yeah. when she was just flopping around like a spoiled little sod sometimes then she it was, was it yeah was, you know less easy to sort of but it's isn't that you know it's another part of archers being of the archers being so um true to life you know it's quite hard to love a teenager sometimes <laughs> i've got <laughs> and one she it's has very hard yes and, right <laughs> <laughs> she's she's grown up so much and and because it's all done so in such real time you get to you, it's almost invisible and then yeah. you look back a few years and think oh god yeah she's really matured yeah she is this wife and mother of two kids and has started up this business with Fallon and she's in a such a different place and everything she's been through the the archers are so clever the writers are so clever about not having these sort of flip-flop character turns you know development and mm. then un, undoing all of that and you know if this was, you know, a, a very fast turnaround soap that was after ratings and was relying on those ratings to keep going, then, you know, I'd probably have murdered Will and <laughs> me and Nick might be together, you know. <laughs> it, but we've got this luxury with the Archers that it is this institution and it's sort of trusted and trusted to do everything in real time and, and, and be 
really real and that's so beautiful. You get to really live this other life. It's bizarre. How do you get on with, with, with Charlotte Martin, who plays Susan? Oh, I love her. She's so great. I mean, I have to say everyone in the cast is really lovely. And it's so... I, I've done a lot of radio, luckily. I've been very lucky since I came out of drama school um, in 2009. That was my first job, was a bunch of radio stuff, uh, which led to The Archers. And um, and everyone on it tends to just be so nice. There's There's no ego and there's just coziness and loveliness and um and it attracts really lovely people to it and Mm. um but charlotte is a dream she's so nice she's so glamorous she's just so (laughs) and and she's a therapist as well she's so on susan it's unbelievable she runs all the time and she always comes into studio with like perfect manicures and like amazing hair and smelling great and beautiful makeup and such nice jewelry <laughs> I shall t- she's coming on later on this month so i'll tell her Yay! that she is your style oh, icon. i love her yes Talking she is she style is icons you are you've got a big audrey hepburn thing going on haven't you oh god i wish i no, do every so often i get told by by very very lovely people that i pay a lot of money now <laughs> but i do i she's always been a massive I mean, like she is for everyone, I think. Massive icon. No, I was looking at your at your publicity shots earlier and everything, and I thought, yes, it's definitely a kind of a... So are you, you're not going to clear off like... Um, well, not yet, anyway. You're not going to clear off like um, uh, Felicity and go and be a Hollywood star just yet, are you? Unless the powers that be kill me, you know? I am, we won't, I love we won't the let them kill you. You're I love... fine for a while, don't worry. <laughs> I love it, and I, I love going there. And, and I think they, they've, they're very flexible about allowing other people to yeah. do work. I've just been at the National. Um, I finished it in March. But, um, and what a lot of people... At the National? At, oh, it was so just a dream job. I was doing um, a, a role in a play called Waste by Harley Grenfell Barker with um, Charles Edwards in the lead. Um, and um, that was just so glorious. I've never been at the National before. And um, a lot of, I think, quite a few Archers members have and it's Mm. and so there's a lot of a lot of great work that gets done by by the archers cast and I was just so pleased to to go and work there and and make it work being being in the archers they're very they're very accommodating to me I've been very lucky but no I love the archers I don't want to leave no 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 as long as you keep (laughs) shouting at uh at Rob in the way that you did you're not going anywhere One of the bits that we all loved was the fact that even when the mic had come back to David and um, Jazza uh, yeah. carrying on their chat, you could still hear Emma in the background going, and another thing! Yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Just imagine, like, you know, when people talk about the hairdryer, you know, Rob having yeah. his hair blown back by Emma's invective. It was great. <laughs> Because you got you suddenly got a load of people on Twitter going, "Way!" Didn't you? It was amazing. <laughs> Twitter went nuts. I was so excited. <laughs> so, what would you say? I'm not asking for any storyline spoilers, partly because I know you don't know them anyway. But no idea. What would you personally? Where would yeah. you like to see Emma in five years' time? Oh wow, that's a great question. Um, well. I'd, I'd just, Running I think, Grey Gables, I think she'd be. Eight. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, having some sort of business empire in the village. A status. How old will the kids be in five years? They'll be sort of. George will be a teenager, won't yeah. he? So it'd be rocky times, possibly. 
Well, if he carries be on another his, test. his kleptomania, which we think he oh probably... Oh, my God. <laughs> but at least he's not, you know... He he was a he he's been through some some tough times already. But then you would, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. they all need to go into therapy. Yes. every one of them. <laughs> Everyone on the Archers does. There isn't any. There isn't any family <laughs> backgrounds. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, Louisa was saying to me, he plays Helen. That you know, she just reads the scripts and thinks, why aren't these people in therapy? They just all need so much therapy. <laughs> Helen and Henry. Oh. <laughs> And Pat as well. Pat needs about oh, a year and a half. They need so much. That was something that I thought was really lovely of um, with with Sean O'Connor's kind of tenure was that he really um, brought the the damage of of losing of losing John mm. really to the fore with that family. It had yeah. been bubbling away under the surface for years, and it's and it was just so real. How that you know how do you get past that you never mm. get past that how do you well you do know families don't you where 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 the entire family's been frozen in time from, from yeah, exactly. an untimely death yeah. and 20 years on they you know it's like it still happened yesterday nobody's yeah. actually made any progress mentally no. since since the thing no because you can't do anything just shut down that's it and just yeah. carry on with life carry on with life but you've got this huge you know well of pain that's not being dealt with I mean, isn't that just Helen? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also, oh. she was absolutely foul to. That was one of the best bits, I think, when she was foul to you um, when you were pregnant and she was busily telling you how you should oh. be eating and how you should be. But Emma was so patient with her. Yeah, she didn't lose her lose her rag, which was kind of to me one of the biggest um, indicators that she was growing up because she could actually keep a lid on it and not yeah. fly off the handle like she would normally do. Yeah, and she really, she's always really respected Helen and looked up to her. Mm. And so I think, and but she knows that, you know, I think she looks at her and thinks, wow, I'm actually all right. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's quite damaged. <laughs> and um, I may and, not be going to inherit a farm and a dairy, but you yeah, know, right? I'm yeah. not that. Yeah. My mum might have gone to prison, but you know, all my my sibling is alive and we're, we're, we're actually much more functional. I think often, I think a lot of, the you know the I think the grandies as a whole look at the archers and the and all the other you know moneyed families in the village and sort of think Phew, yeah I wouldn't be them yeah it's well, very look at easy, the it? for crying out loud I mean well, I was gonna say Phew, <laughs> not all the Albion <laughs> kitchens in China would I be generally <laughs> no God no <laughs> so. You you cleverly dodged my question. Where where would you like to see her in oh, five years? I think running the village somehow. <laughs> I think having having she'd probably take MP solace for in South work. Borsetshire. She'd be great. Oh God, that would be amazing. <laughs> I'd love that. That would be so good. I don't know how much how many book smarts she has though. To be fair, no. not sure if she really cares about the outside world that much. No, but I think her her business. I want her to grow with that, and I want her to. I want her to, I mean, selfishly, I want her to have a lot of drama. Mm. <laughs> I don't want her to be happy and silent. <laughs> Talkative and upset, that's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of rocks. But I want her to be happy with Ed. I really love their marriage and I, I, want, them to, I want them to be together and solid. Yeah. You know, with their ups and downs. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
Aww. Brilliant. That was fantastic, everyone. Thank you so much for talking to me. Well done for bollocking Rob so spectacularly. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's my absolute pleasure coming on and bollocking Rob. She sounds lovely. She is. She is. And yep. properly excited uh, to be interviewed by you. She just really, really loves Emma. She really does. And mm. I think it, it, you know, she's gen- she genuinely wants any opportunity to sort of to big up Emma because poor old Emma's had such a lot of flack over the over the years, one way or another. Well, that, um, she you know, she's trying to sort of put the put the record straight. Uh, that was good. Talking about putting records straight. Yes. Uh, Emma and I made a record. I'd heard it. It was great. Do you want to hear it again? Yeah. But now everyone knows the things you did. The things you did. Rich. Yeah. Rich. Yeah. Yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. Go on, call me whatever you like. like. That's just your style, isn't it? Picking on women. You bully them and push them around. Now you can't deal with it when one of them dares to fight you back. When one of them dares to fight you back. But now everyone knows the things you did. The things you did. Rich, yeah. Rich, yeah. Rich, yeah. Rich, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't dare touch me. He's just a sad, pathetic bully. What did you call me? You called me. Never come back. Yeah, but I know just how to deal with you. You dare lay a finger on me. Lay a finger on me. If you had a shred of decency, you'd get out of this village and you would never come back. You would never come back. Bitch. Yeah. But now everyone knows the things you did. Everyone knows the things you did. But now everyone knows the things you did. The things you did. Rich, yeah. Rich, yeah. Rich, yeah. Rich, yeah. Rich, yeah. How dare you? must be out of your mind. You must be out of your mind. You call her mad after what you did to her. To what you did to her. How dare you? Dare you? Well, you're drunk. You need to leave. You don't tell me what to do. Oh yes, does that? should be the Christmas single, I think. Christmas number one. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Who's first? Sarah from Cambridge. First time caller in Aurora. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. It's Sarah here from Cambridge. First time caller in Aurora. Um, I just wondered if anyone else was feeling... Really gutted um, to hear that Haley had got a new fella. I think I must be a, a wistful romantic, but I think deep down I realised that I had all along been hoping for them to get back together again. That, um, you know, Roy and the kind of sad, pathetic figure that he cuts 
at home alone, not doing anything really other than watching the television, having a cup of cocoa, working, just hanging around. I just thought at some point it would all come good and, you know, Hayley would realise and Roy would realise and there'd be a period of reflection and the whole kind of debacle tent camping Elizabeth and all of that would just be forgotten and I, I just used to feel so happy when I when I heard you know Hayley talking about how she cared for the children and all the stuff with being a, a mum to Phoebe and they were such a robust and together family and loving couple and everything I hadn't really realised but when she said or when we heard that um, she was seeing somebody I just felt a bit sad anyway Onwards and upwards. Um, yeah, here's hoping now that Roy finds somebody. <sighs> That's it. Bye-bye. Um, Can I, I just say, right, I need to admonish Sarah. She didn't really go through all, all the know, steps. I know, but only given people two minutes. If they go through all the steps, that's like one of well, our things. Well, okay. I know <laughs> I'm a big softie. I know I'm a big softie. But people have a special dispensation when it's their first call. Doesn't mean they can drone on forever, but they can no, definitely... I just put my neck on I'm... the line manner of draconian rules and then you go oh I don't mind no 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 I'm saying they have a special dispensation first time that's all I'm saying okay I think that's fair well Sarah is 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 soft and whimsical like you she has always hoped that Haley and Roy might get back together just I was quite surprised when she talked about this Luke with mm. the dog yeah I was I thought oh this is no, but then quite often that's kind of a trigger for the couple to get back together, isn't it? Yeah. If somebody starts on in a soap, if somebody starts talking about a new person, everyone gets very protective of the old person, and then they meet the new person, and they decide they don't like them, and then and then they start lobbying for the first two people to get back together again. So, do not give up hope, Sarah. Mm. And there's nothing like going with somebody new after you've uh, had a long-standing relationship with somebody to realise, hmm, the grass isn't greener on the other side. And because, you know what? The old one kind of got you, didn't they? For all of their faults, they understood yeah. you, put up with you and your nonsense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and you know, and it gets tiring having to wear your best underwear for the, fir- <laughs> for the first one. farting. Well, not farting, that kills you. <laughs> <laughs> Then you never go to the lavatory as well. No, I don't poo. Never. No. Mm-mm. Well, exactly. So, Sarah, let's not give up all hope anyway. No. Because, and anyway, mm. would you rather see Kate, Rich, uh, wouldn't you rather see Roy back with Haley than with bloody Kate? That was all a bit, oh, wasn't it? Yes. But this is, this this Kate, I can, I can deal with. She I sounds know. so <laughs> reasonable. <laughs> She, you know, she was getting on my wick saying, oh, 39 is so young, so old. I was thinking, oh, shut your face. But, <laughs> um, yes, it's, I don't know what's, is it just the fact that she's actually done something that seems to be relatively successful? Even though she did have to rope in her entire family, ex-husband and every, the entire village to help her do it and mm. stole most of the furniture. But, you know, is it that? Does she actually feel some sense of sort of value now of herself or something? So she's not trying to, create drama around herself i don't know but it, i was thinking who is this i just hope that we get old kate back and i hope that new kate isn't alice 
because yes. I enjoyed Alice being a little bit of a geek. Um, her and Chris having their little thing, but obviously we know that there's going to be some turbulence there in that marriage. But like Kate should be Kate, and Alice, yeah. Alice, yeah. yeah. Alice is now, as I said in the monologue, Alice is now sounding more Kate than Kate, which mm. is very disturbing. Anyway, it's usually Haley that sets Kate off, isn't it? So if Haley does come back with this Luke the puke, whoever he is, then that will set uh, Kate off nicely, I would imagine. We can stand by for a little Kate tantrum. Yokel bear. Hello, Dumstum. It's Yokel Bear here, calling from the rolling hills of Yokelshire. I want to talk about Hootie Jill's birthday party. Um, I'm not really on Jill's side on this one. Get over yourself, Hootie. We've all had birthday parties where somebody's turned up that you don't like or somebody's bought somebody along and you thought, God, what have you bought that git for? I mean, I had an ex turn up to one of my birthday parties and not only that, he bought his wife with him. So, you know, just get over yourself, Jill. It could be worse. So, yeah, not really on the side. I mean, she should have known that there was a chance that Pip was going to bring her, you know boyfriend no matter what you think of him and he is a git and it's all probably going to go hideously wrong but to kick off like that god sakes jill get some cake down your gob and just take it so yeah wasn't impressed by that you might have gathered i actually have sympathy with jill uh and... go what? on yo you don't agree with me do you go um on. i have sympathy with jill uh Steve uh later on um agreed with Yokel Bear and said wasn't Jill churlish and, and horrible to 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 Pip. I and but Witherspoon agreed with me. Um I think it's not as if Jill has made any secret of the fact. If she had just been uh been sort of sly about it and just muttered about Toby without being upfront about it um and she just sort of um witted about him to Carol Toboggan and not actually said it to anybody but she has said I dislike him I don't want you I wish you weren't going out with him I don't want to see him I don't want to talk to him I don't think he's a nice person and I don't like him why would you then think that it was a good idea to invite him. It's not like it was Pip's party and Jill was going to be there along with Toby. It was Jill's party in the house. It's not even like it was in the village hall and the whole village was invited. Lucy, Lucy. What? Jill's reaction was so wildly just, it was just wild. But I'm going to back up and do one of these. Because I thought, that so tripped everybody up. David and Ruth said it. You know, yeah. where the hell did that come from? We yeah. had no idea she felt that strongly. Us as the listeners had no idea. We knew that she didn't like him, or at least she had misgivings. Let's put it that way. She had strong misgivings. And we and she had talked about, you know, you're, you're messing around with a, with a fair brother. She'd seen him roll out there, you know, in, in the middle of the night, etc., out of, you know, out of... Um, out of Pip's cottage, and she doesn't like him. But we know this is 
a little bit to do with Elizabeth and Elizabeth's yes. affair. Yeah. But it's yep. everything to do with Phil's first wife. Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. and and I yep. just thought that was brilliant because her reaction was irrational. And the very fact that she says, Well, you know what, it's my party. I don't yeah. care. I just thought, you know what, Jill, you're so wrong, but this is just brilliant. Because it's connecting us all the way back to the 1950s. Now, I so this is a, a plea which goes out to you, Cosmo. Did we really have storylines um, after the death of Grace that where Jill said, "I feel like I'm second best," that you are yes, still in we love? Did. With- we did, we did, we did. Because I had to write about it. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well. Just goes, goes. She, she she struggled to feel like she sort of felt like she was competing, and then just sort of settled down and said, "Well, in it, ultimately, it was kind of well, I, I'm here now. I am who I am, and I'm not I'm not second best. I'm just different, and and that and that's so, it." But she never felt because she moved into the house, um, and and all that 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 you know felt like it belonged to somebody else. Okay. And I presume that these storylines were in the 50s and the 60s, because by the time I'd come into it, I... Yeah, which is why Carol Toboggan knows so much about it, because that was when she was in it as well. Mm. Well, again, hand clap, I just thought it was brilliant, because it completely blindsided everybody, whether you were an archer in that party or whether you were the listener, you had no idea to react in that way. Yeah. Pip was knocked sidewards and was just like stunned, and I just loved every. It really annoyed me though that, minute that, of it. That David and 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 Ruth said, "Oh well, we better make allowances for her. She is eighty six, you know." I thought, "Sod off! She's better organised and more with it than most people, you know, my age." What? Don't don't say, "Oh, she's going senile." Just because you don't like somebody as you're old doesn't mean that you're senile. No, it just no, no. I just think you, it's, you know. it's a senior moment in the nicest possible way of saying that you have a senior moment, not that you're using your marbles. It's just that it's somebody who's older, and you've got it's to give them to respect. And thought, Do you know what? I don't want to have to spend any more of my life with people I don't like, and I think fair enough. Mm. Or anybody just called fair brother. Doesn't matter yeah. whether, whether whether she you know re- really whether they're nice people or not. But I I just thought it was brilliant. I literally, if I'd have been eating a bacon sandwich, it would have fallen out of my <laughs> mouth. Seriously, this was for me. This was more shocking, or at least as shocking. Nigel going off the roof. Oh, that. Well, I was never a, Ni- a Nigel fan. I would have pushed him off the roof myself. But this was as shocking as the stabbing. Because really, it, it, for me, it was. It was. I didn't at all see see it coming. Whereas at least with that, there's a certain amount of traditional build up of tension. Yeah, yeah. So that, some, yeah. so something yeah, was going to happen. Out of a clear yeah, blue sky, didn't exactly, it? Yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just, when I got to the end of the show, I went, you know what? I, I did applaud. I, got, <laughs> I, I stood up, I saluted, and I applauded. I went, wow, Jill Archer, good for you, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong, but good for you. <laughs> I think she was right. Good honour, I think. No! When I'm, when I'm 86, no, I just that's want... just rude. It's just no. absolutely rude. When I'm 86, I just want a troop of male go-go dancers. No one else. <laughs> that's it. 
Steve Parrott now. Hello, Lucy, Royfield and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. Steve the Parrot here. First time caller in but I did contribute Tweet of the Week to Menzel. I think I'm a Nigel or a Mrs. Antrobus. I do prefer the latter as I'm a country person at heart and I do like to get in touch with my feminine side. Just a short plot prediction. I reckon there has to be a denouement to the Dark Lord storyline and I think the scriptwriters might be setting us up for one of two issues. Either the horrific thought that Rob will take his own life plus that of Giddy Jack or that he will snatch Giddy Jack and make a break for the border. Of the two, I would expect the second, as I'm assuming that narcissists like themselves far too much to end it all. Also, if he goes for the border option and gets caught, he'll be in the slammer for a few years, which is a clean end for a while. That's it. Told you it was short. Keep up the good work. Yes, it is. Yes, he is definitely, Rob is definitely heading to, we're three days into 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 insanity country, I think. Um and now he's been exposed to everybody. He's kind of got nothing else to lose because there's nobody left to con. Um, he can't, he's trapped. And that's when, as we keep saying, people like him get very dangerous. I agree as a narcissist, he would imagine in his head, he would make sense of it by saying he was saving uh, Giddy Jack by nicking him and running off. So I think it's highly likely. I also think he'd try and take Henry as well. I don't think he'd be he'd he'd happily just take Jack. I think he'd try and take both of them. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, I agree, and I'm dreading it. Uh, and I do hope it's not going to be anything ridiculous on you know Christmas Eve when they get abducted or something like that because that would just be too unpleasant and dramatic for words. After the year we've had, we want a nice quiet. Christmas Eve scriptwriters thanking you. Well, um, you know they've already wrote it, so there's yeah. no point unless you're talking about Christmas 2017. Well, I probably am, aren't I? I don't know. But <laughs> like to think, we all like to think, don't we, that somehow we have some kind of, you know, we don't like to imagine that it's actually done three months before. We kind of like to think that it's, you know, slightly more kind of spontaneous than that, which is ridiculous, I know. Mm. Next, Steve. What do you mean yeah? next? I haven't even dealt with this. This points I wanted to make, woman. Go on then. Right, make them. I was chatting to somebody, but completely and utterly unrelated to anything archers this weekend. Now, they uh, are a bit of a mental health expert, and yeah. what they said to me. One minute. What's up, mum? Uh, yeah, coffee would be great. Right. Please? Please, mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, let me say that. So they are a mental health um, practitioner. And so we were having a chat because it's one of my kind of latest bugbears. It's about male mental health issues. Yeah. And we were chatting on. And specifically talking um and we kind of slightly went off topic but and we ended up talking about um interviews with people who are uh who have been arrested on suspicion of being paedophiles so we slightly mm-hmm. went off but invariably uh 99 times out of 100 you're dealing with men again yeah and and actually that within the first oh, i think it's 24 hours of them being accused and or arrested that they have uh basically in effect they're on suicide watch 
Yeah. Because the world has just come crashing down. Yeah. Um, bringing this all the way back round to Rob, I don't want this to be the outcome for Rob, purely for dramatic purposes. Um, in real life, I'd want to lynch him and hang him from the nearest uh, oak tree overlooking the River Am. However, somebody in Rob's situation, the, the chances of them actually committing suicide would be ridiculously high because they've been socially unmasked. It isn't just legally because he can still uh, have the internal fiction, as you kind of pointed out, if not last week, the week before, that his wife has, collu- you know, has flirted with the judge and colluded, yeah. etc. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. still have that. But... All the other levers whereby he gets a measure of self-worth and validation have been taken away, which the cricket team is a big one for Rob. It's a massive one for Rob. That's been pulled away. And then we've got to presume, and I know I'm holding myself as a hostage to fortune here, but you've got to presume that he's going to have the job offer rescinded. Yeah. So. Yes, his world is crashing. Yeah. And and I couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. Very true, but as um, as a man, in kind yeah. of classic uh, terms, you're you're judged on basically three things: do you have a relationship, do you have a career, and then are you a father? Mm. The answer to all of those is going to be no for Rob. So mm. he's has yeah. a high, high high probability of actually going postal or just committing yeah. suicide. It won't be suicide. I don't think narcissists commit suicide. As Steve says in his call, he thinks he's too important for that. He, he would never see his life as worthless. He would see the people around him as dangerous and mm. a threat to him. He would never demean himself enough to think that his life was worthless. You, you're, you're, prob- you're probably correct. But then you have narcissists who feel that they've got nothing more to live for or that the rug has been pulled from underneath them. Aren't they the type of men who then uh, take themselves out and their loved ones? Is yes, they're, they're that's the, true. They, yeah. would, they will actually, the force of their hatred for the person that they see as threatening them is so extreme that they would actually sacrifice themselves mm. to, to, uh, to, hurt the person that they feel has hurt them yikes well let's hope that none of that happens number one because i just want everyone to love each other and and, and have flushy marshmallows that that's my position in life but number two um <laughs> for dramatic reasons and for plot reasons we should have some lingering presence of of rob as a yeah. you know a returning yeah. bad smell in the yeah. village you know every 18 yeah. months or so yep yeah. Talking of bad smells, it's bye-bye, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Steve, not really. Good afternoon, Dumpty Dum. It's Steve here. Wasn't Jill churlish and horrible to Pip? I thought she should have bitten her lip and said, you know, bring him along. You know, they're in a relationship now. I know Jill doesn't approve, but, you know, I'm like, with Royfield, I think they both have feelings for each other, and I wouldn't be surprised if Pip and Toby last. 
one thing on Dumpty Dum, well, a couple of things on Dumpty Dum. Please don't stop the swearing. I mean, not gratuitous effort and blinding for the sake of it, but the odd swear word slipped in at the right moment is just sublime. That lovely Irish woman who calls in, who says shite all the time, I mean... You can't edit those out. I mean, if it, even if it does give you a 15 or 18 classification on the podcasts, you know, let it in. We're all adults here, and if there's dumpty diddlers listening in, well, it's an education for them. Interesting to see that Kate and Roy are back together. Well, not back together, but it looks like they're going to be indulging in the Calcutta quadrille. And Kate is sounding very reasonable. She's sounding like she's actually grown up a bit. And in sharp contrast to her sibling Alice, who seems to be becoming the social climbing bloody Sloan from hell. I thought the interview with, what's his name, Tom, was quite good. They put him through his paces. I wish they'd pushed him on like GM crop things. I, for one, wish he'd gone down for that. I mean, Kirsty, you know, bloody eco-warriors. Yeah, that's it really. Anyway, that's me. I'm just about to have a little drink. I shall see you all later. Mwah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mwah. 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 You go first, not me. No, you go first. You go first. Mwah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mwah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, he thinks Jill was Turkish. I do not. The thing is with Toby, she could have actually let him bring... Jill didn't need to... Jill doesn't need to put everyone off Toby or or let everybody know what a git Toby is. If you give Toby enough rope, he hangs himself perfectly happily just through the natural force of his idiotic character. Um, and yeah, I, I think she she it was heavy handed. Yes, and I do I do genuinely think that in your eighty sixth birthday, birthday you can have who the hell you like. But um, uh, I, I don't I think Jill feels the need to go around sort of urging everybody you know why don't you all feel like <clears throat> like I do about him and that's the bit she's got to stop because but you know people will come to their own will reach entirely the same conclusion about Toby but, after 10 minutes of his company yeah but that that at all wasn't the reason why Jill did what she did it's had nothing to do with his character David um three quarters of the fact that David doesn't really like him is because he's an ass, and then, yeah. but there is a part of him which is. is so you old think if fashioned. it had been, if you think it had been Rex, Jill would have reacted the same. Absolutely the same. Absolutely really? the same. He's a fair brother, right? She kept on saying, "Yeah, you know, fair brother. fair brother." She didn't say yeah. Toby fair brother. No, no, you're right. Mm. And also, Steve, don't worry. We would never ever edit a Mave in the Big Press's shite. Don't worry, we will always have that. Uh, <laughs> the swearing will continue, particularly regional accent swearing, which is our favourite. Well, that doesn't even count, does it, if it's regional? No, it's different. And it's just colloquialisms. It is. Mm-hmm. Has, you got, has your mum brought your coffee yet? Uh, my mum, you've probably heard her, she's walked in the room and Hello, she's Hello, mum. Uh, she can't hear because she's got the headphones on. But why don't you, but I'm going to call her over. Mother, come over here. Come over here, mum. Why? Because Lucy, <laughs> we're just recording a show and Lucy has said hello. So I'm going to take the headphones off. You can have a brief conversation with <laughs> Say hello because you just Hi, said hello. Hi, Lucy. Hello, Mrs. Brown. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? Yeah. I'm fine. Thank you for bringing him coffee, keeping him going. <laughs> well, <laughs> if I don't, then he'll probably go all day without a drink. 
That's very and true. Dehydrated, and then I'll have to run into the hospital with him. <laughs> that's a bit. That's a bit that's, dramatic. Yeah, a bit drastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know, do you? <laughs> okay, nice talking to you. And you. Take Bye. care. Bye, Bye. Mum. Thanks for my coffee. You you laugh exactly like your mum. Oh, do do I? Your laugh is exactly the same. <laughs> you wait till you pay it, play it back. Uh, right. With a spoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, looking at our one-quarter done, still under renovation after four weeks of work kitchen. For the first time, we have sympathy for Jennifer and the construction woes that she experienced a couple of years ago. One person for whom I don't have sympathy is Pip. She knew that her grandmother did not like Toby, and yet she went ahead and invited him to Jill's birthday dinner without asking her first. What she should have done was arrange for a quiet get-together of the three of them, accompanied by tea and some nice scones with Jill's favorite jam. Pip's behavior was a supreme example of her self-centeredness. It was Jill's birthday gathering, not a Sunday dinner, and she had every right to invite whom she wanted. And shame on David and Ruth as well for not understanding that and for chalking up Jill's anger and disappointment in Pip to some incipient dementia. We all would hope to be as active as Jill is at age 86, which is also my mother's age, and she's much grumpier than the older Archer. But overall, it was a wonderful week in Ambridge, with so many old friends reappearing. It was as if they had returned from 40 years of wandering in the desert. I say, welcome back. The seven days began with the cricket team snubbing Rob and ended with a heartfelt apology from Susan to Helen. It was very touching to hear, so hats off to someone who I usually find quite annoying. And go for your own homemade rejuvenation drink. Kate's just going to rip you off. And is this really the beginning of the end for Rob and Ambridge? It's like believing you've awakened from a bad dream. But oh no, there's the possibility that you're still in the midst of another level of the nightmare. Well, unfortunately, I must now return to the long national nightmare known as Donald Trump. We'll keep you posted on all the latest on Twitter during the week. With a spoon and Angus Haggis signing off until next time. He has no sympathy for Pip. Yes, I don't either. She's she is, she is self centered. I mean the the no. Jill thing is the Jill thing is equivocal, no. but I <laughs> just no. Come is on, he's a bit self centered. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait on a minute. Jill Archer is a reasonable woman, which is the reason why this so blindsided everybody. Yeah. I, imagine if this was um, Joe Grundy. Yeah. You know, Joe Grundy would have had a beef with, I don't know who, who insert name of a, the Horobins. There you yeah. go. Imagine yeah. it's his 85th, 95th, 105th birthday and somebody brings home a Horobin. You could imagine Joe Grundy <laughs> going, you know, ooh, blah, 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 and taking great offence. And even though it might have come as somewhat of a surprise, the vehemence of his yeah. um, objection to it, you'd go, well, actually, I could see that coming because Joe has opinions yeah. on everybody and half of them are negative, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And this... But he just go right up to them and go, oh, Mrs. <laughs> just say. But Jill is just reasonable. Yeah. 
and nice. So it's completely understandable for Pip to be so utterly shocked by this. I don't think Pip was being selfish at all. As far as Pip's concerned, she has announced to, it has been announced to her parents and to a wider family and to the village that she has a new paramour, right? And because everybody's so reasonable and so nice, she can bring him to a family event. If that was my daughter, I wouldn't have blinked. I wouldn't have thought twice about it. And neither you with any of your kids have sort of brought somebody home because you're a reasonable person, Lucy. The fact of the matter is, Jill Archer has got a problem with the family of the Fair Brothers, regardless of who it is. Rex, Robin, Toby, Tony. Doesn't matter what the hell they're called, as long as as long as their name ends with Fair Brother. She don't want to be anywhere near them. This is not Pip's issue at all. What Pip did was totally and utterly reasonable. She's bringing round her new boyfriend uh, to a family do, considering her boyfriend has. It was. It was no. No, it was a family do, because all of the family are there with their partners. There you go. Disagree about that? No, no, no. Well, there's nothing to disagree about. I know you like to have these pretend arguments with me for the sake of podcast <laughs> for for the sake of the podcast, Lucy. But come on. Yeah, well, Toby's just, an just idiot. Go. He hasn't murdered anybody. He hasn't attempted to. He hasn't raped anybody. He hasn't attempted to rape anybody. The other thing I would say was another a little bit of uh, script writing genius is that. Uh, Chutneygate foreshadowed all of this. So she had extra beef with him, didn't she? She's like, you know what? The yes, idiot can't Chutney. even... <laughs> Chutney, that sounds horrible. It wasn't that the idiot can't even label... Yeah. But in her mind, he did it deliberately. Yeah. Yeah. In her mind, this was a fair brother plot to undermine yeah. her. <laughs> Which was genius. Yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Andrew Horn, now. Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here. Um, After weeks of um, dodgy male role models like Titchy Knob and then Toby proving he's not emotionally mature enough for a relationship and Josh and all of that lot, it's good to have a couple of, uh, of, of, of role models coming through. And two this week stood out for me. Johnny thinking about Tom's uh, interview and getting the panel together, and Neil, um, the way he reassured Susan uh, with her uh, crisis over the, over the calendar and uh, was, was trying to help her. I hope he got a, a serving of chilli on the back of that. But yes, good to see. I like that. And then all this Fairbrother stuff going on again. It did make me wonder about the curse of the Fairbrothers. And we, we touched on this back on, uh, on, on the boys episode that we did a few months ago. Um, and I'm wondering whether it goes back to Dan Archer and maybe he wronged a Fairbrother at some stage. Maybe he cheated him at the market or something like that because uh, the sins of the father will be visited unto the fourth generation. And um, well, Phil... Um, was blighted by fair brethren and uh, Lizzie. And now we come down to Pip, who's going to have her heart broken. Yes. So then one more generation of fair brethren and maybe uh, the curse will be lifted. Speak to you soon. Bye.
lots of nice role models. Neil being nice to Susan, Johnny thinking about the interview. I think that was slightly nuts, the interview. Thing. Oh, I thought it was um, utterly bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the thing is... light in his face. I love that. Because <laughs> the thing is, he's no idiot, is he, Sausage Boy? No. He's and he's, of these interviews. Exactly. He's gone... So when he was developing the Tom Archer brand of sausages and he took them off to Underwoods, he had meeting after meeting with that buyer. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's well, not... Most of those were in bed, to be fair. <laughs> the f- they didn't start off in bed. They, they were informal, shall we say. <laughs> the back of his truck. Lucy's taking me back to um, when we first devised Dumpty Dum. Sorry? Those were rather informal, weren't they? They weren't that informal. <laughs> no, we did keep our clothes on. Yeah. But, you know, he marketed his sausages, sold his sausages to uh, a prestigious local um, supermarket slash uh, department store, Underwoods. He's going to know how to conduct himself in an interview. If this was Johnny, it would make a whole load of sense. He would need some interview prep. But this is just... Yes. All manner yeah. of bonkersness. Johnny would need a picture. But, you know, Tom, yeah, he knows mm. what he's doing. And Neil was being nice to Susan and saying, no, you are not old and wrinkly and floppy, Susan. You are lovely. Well, all right, then you are old and wrinkly and floppy, but I love you anyway. <laughs> that was more to the point, wasn't it? Mm. Mm. Corking cup of coffee my mother's made me. <laughs> Though you'd think... It's- Considering I haven't had milk in my coffee, Lucy, for what, <laughs> 15 years, she'd remember that whenever I came home that I had my coffee black, but no, she put milk in it. But, you know, bless it's, her. She's worried that you might get dehydration and die, as she said. Uh, yeah, because that's she's quite. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Likely. to you as well, yeah. Mm. All right, let's see everybody <laughs> the other side of this little short sojourn whereby somebody promotes some stuff. Hello, Dumdy Dummers, Kat Brown here. If you found life in Ambridge a bit stressful of late, a bit lacking in baking competitions and double entendres that don't involve Lillian entering her gentleman's buttonhole, as excellent as that was, then may I make a very polite suggestion. Search for Soggy Bottoms in your podcasting toolkit and you'll head over to a Great British Bake Off fan podcast. 
In our latest episode, we interview Anna Trigorin herself, actress Isabel Middleton, about that storyline and her love of buns. So, if that sounds tempting, add us to your iTunes playlist. Even if we moulder away there like that Nutribullet you bought in 2014, we'll still love you very much, especially if you call in via SpeakPipe. In your marks, get set, speak! When you don't have a roof over your head... Build that wall. Build that wall. There was Build nothing marked wall. classified on my wall. emails, Build either sent or received. Build that wall. I Build am wall. humbled Build to have been chosen by Build the Conservative Party Build to become its leader. That Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the ocean from the perspective of the other. Do you have a National Trust sticker on your car? Do you think you could be best friends with Kath Gibson? Do you spend hours wandering around the airport looking for an organic quinoa cafe because you refuse to go to Burger King? Then Sarah Smith Cloths offer you... Available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. G'day everyone. What a great week on the Archers and it just seems that that translates to our forum and also to our Facebook page because we've had some really good weeks on there too. Uh, On the forum we've been talking about um, Emma and how wonderful she is and that episode. Uh, We've also talked about Jill who had uh, totally flipped out and there's also been some discussion about the chaise long over on our Facebook page, we have been discussing uh, the cricket match. I'm not a sports fan at all, but I really enjoyed that cricket match, and we all know why. Julie Atkinson said, listen twice and punch to the air both times. Let's have the slow hand clap again when he goes into the ball, the shop, Ray Gable's tea room, and every farm he has to visit as part of his new job. Shame on you, Justin Elliott. Mint but no time said, I'm just so proud of the men of Ambridge. I was so delighted and almost in tears when I heard the first clap. I wasn't sure what it was, but oh my, I so enjoyed that. Uh, More in that vein, on that thread, so get involved if you would like to comment about the cricket match. Uh, The next thing that we discussed was then about Jill. Um, I was a bit conflicted because I thought Jill was absolutely right. Pip should not have invited Toby to a birthday tea just because he's her boyfriend. But, and, and that Pip should have asked, but, but that was a very un-Jill-like reaction, I thought. I thought, my understanding of Jill is that she would have um, been the perfect hostess, but to discuss it afterwards. Anyway, we decided to discuss it. Alicia Wallace said, I dislike Toby so much. It was the horrible fox and chicken scenario that pushed me over the edge. And my dislike for Pip only grows with her seemingly endless tolerance for his feckless awfulness. I'm with Jill. You get to be a certain age. You don't have to put up with bad people that you hate coming to your own birthday party. Okay, that's a very good point. Uh, Janice Pope says, I can never keep the reason Jill hasn't 
instinctive dislike for the family in my head, but maybe her losing it was a sign that something else is going on with her. Anyway, it is her 86th birthday, and for that reason alone, I reckon she has the right to lose her shizzle. Interestingly, the, uh, a fair few people did think it might be uh, the start of Jill uh, losing her faculties. Alice Thomas said she was so passive-aggressive. However, I've never liked Jill, to be honest. find her fairly humorless and takes herself a little too seriously for my own liking. She's always seemed very aware of her archer status in the village. So there was also a lot of division around with people like Jill, whether it was like Jill or not, not like Jill. It's a great thread. So if you would like to get involved in that, that's on our Facebook page. Uh, I noticed a post from um, His Royal Majesty, Kerry Davis, who teased us with the knowledge that he's actually involved in writing some episodes that are stylistic. Now, obviously, my wish is that it would be written in the style of Doctor Who adventure and Kirsty will join Peter Capaldi as his companion and Terry Malloy will make a return as Davros and Eleanor Bronner's Missy. And, of course, there were, have been some others who've been involved with Doctor Who, like Catherine Tate, but I asked for some suggestions. Mike Hatton, get your wrist slapped because you suggested uh, German porn. I don't know why. Karen Cunningham, Shakespearean, more love triangles than you can shake a stick at. Kings and heirs are plenty. And Toby and Pip as Romeo and Juliet. Romance sing amidst the cowpats, although it is a bit old to be Juliet, but yes, I think that would make a good storyline. Uh, Tom Edison suggested a Life on Mars episode where they investigate teaching of multiple rapes with all the delicacy of a size 10 Dr. Martin. I thought that was inspired. Valerie Bayliss suggested Dickensian for sure, Justin, Mr. Pickwick, Jennifer, Lady Deadlock, Eddie, Fagan, Rob, Edward Murdstone, Kirsty, Miss Havisham and Brian Scrooge. Uh, Peter Mabbott said most haunted then we could have the return of Doris Dan Walter Gabriel Sid and Polly you, you had some great suggestions Pete um, really impressive and great fun to read so if you'd like to get involved in that that's again on our Facebook page and then finally we asked for some favourite phrases of the week because it was an awesome week for phrases um, I stuck to my sausages was one of them you leave my chi out of this um, he's using it as an excuse not to move Susan's mangle please get involved and I'll ask me to next week. Facebook or forum will be there. Hooroo! Thank you, Millie Bell. That was most awesome. Uh, Lucy, can you hit us with some tweets? I can. First of all, this is a little tweet exchange that made me laugh. Um, mm. So it's not part of Tweets of the Week. It's a little extra tweety thing. Uh, it's about animals listening to Radio 4. It was a conversation that started, <laughs> I think, after the omnibus. Um, Irene Myers PR said... I always miss the name of the guest on Desert Island Discs as our cockatiel Gary kicks off as he loves the theme tune. This was followed by, I love the fact the cockatiel is called Gary. Um, I am Gore Blimey, who said, I have to listen to the archers on headphones or our dog howls along very loudly to the closing music. <laughs> anyway, right. Now we have the proper tweets of the week. Ooh. Uh, David, <laughs> David Absalom who tweets as British pictures when he was talking about Kate's uh, Susan and Kate's conversation about um, Susan going to the, to the, to the yurts. Um, Susan, you need to be properly supervised and on some sort of register. <laughs> oh dear. She's not that bad. Willful blindness said, yes, Roy, you do need to move on given two out of the three women you've bedded have been from the archers gene pool. I hadn't thought about that. That's quite grim. Mm. Um, the Michael Moran. Uh, this was about uh, the conversation between Kate and Roy. 
Uh, it is my contention that a single man living on his own with internet access can get his chi flowing all too bloody free. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, that chi. Andrew Horn said, "I thought she was. He was. <laughs> I thought Kate said she was. He was cheese blocked because he said." She said, oh, well, that's because your cheese blocked, as in your cheese is blocked. And he thought she said cheese blocked, as in, you know, you've <laughs> overdone the cheddar or something. Um, uh, John Reed um, uh, had Roy saying, Haley's seeing someone called Luke. And Kate said, what's he like? And Roy says, a bit intense, has father issues, uses the force. <laughs> and oh, I haven't had a superhero segue in quite some time. And I know you've been watching this. But Luke Cage. Yes, Luke Cage. And it's a bit it, it was your boy, um, Exeter Dormouse, yeah. that um, tweeted a picture of Luke. Yeah. Uh, and it was Luke Cage looking all black and buff and muscular. Yeah. Ooh, you know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, anyway. Ruth, you're sounding quite excited. No, well, you know what? Right. The old rugget. The Would more you I can know, well, mm, I I think Would I you know. Would you them out if they were one man down? Can answer. Yes. Seriously, I I can appreciate when a man is handsome. Mm. Doesn't necessarily do anything for me <laughs> in in the trouser department, but I can definitely look at somebody like Luke Cage and go, you know what, you're a handsome bloke. Yes. There you go. What do you reckon to Luke Cage, the it's series? Funny, isn't it? It's so much more acceptable for a woman to say that they can see that they found another woman beautiful. No, and it listen, a, 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 absolutely, it's, it's absolutely. Ridiculous. There's all manner of social yeah. taboos that are slowly being lifted. But so chatting to Clemcott, he, you know, he said as a classic male thing, Roy Field, you were singing Greece and you said that you needed a man. And I wondered about you. Right. And I was just singing. But that... He remembered yeah. and, and replayed yeah. back because socially it is yeah. not acceptable for a straight man, or at least it needs to be highly qualified for a straight yeah. man to even jokingly say that he needs another man. Flipping neck. Mm, flipping neck indeed. Mm. Mm. Anyway, uh, Luke Cage, the series, do you like it? It's a bit thumpy for me. Mm. Um, and I don't watch the thumpy bits. I put my, I read instead, put my book up and read in the thumpy bits. And I wait until they've stopped thumping. I absolutely love the soundtrack. That is brilliant. And I've bought nearly everything on it. It's amazing. Really? Um, yeah. You probably already got everything on the soundtrack because uh -uh. you are cool. Uh -uh. And I am not. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Mm -hmm. Not at all. Not uh, at all. Though I did do uh, a little bit of a Shazam on, on a couple of things. Yeah. I tell you. The soundtrack for me is good. However, I think it feels somewhat belaboured the way that they've shoehorned in a lot of these great artists who oh, are the doing... Oh, the nightclub things. Yeah. I, for yeah. me, it's a little bit tiring. Yeah. yeah. Um, so many films... But they're my favourite bits. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, a, it's just a case of it's Soul Train, isn't it? Oh. You are watching Soul Train. But there are many films which have done integration of artists actually playing their music into a narrative so much better than this. Whereas this is all incredibly staged. 
character yeah. on the stage. And yeah. then you have Cottonmouth, the baddie, who's yeah. always peering out from his little vantage point. Yeah. And then looking wistfully uh, because they need to just play this great piece of music for another minute and a half. And because they've <laughs> paid this classic yeah. soul actor to come. So they want their money's worth. But yeah. it just it detracts away ultimately from the drama and the pacing of the drama yeah. because you have yeah. these two minute interludes every bloody episode, sometimes twice an episode. You know me, Lucy, I love me some superhero action. I actually don't yeah. like Luke Cage. Really? And, I, and you know, I love the hero Luke Cage. He's not very happy. He's a very grumpy superhero. Well, he's the African-American equivalent to Captain America and Captain America yeah. is all struck with patriotism and doing the right thing and being incredibly noble and being a, a man out of his time. And it it means that you don't have the natural kind of humour that you do with a Spider-Man or yeah. the angst that you do from a Batman because Captain America is just straight. He's just a straight, straight up yeah. dude. And Luke Cage is just too stoic for me. He's too noble and I just I just find this portrayal of him somewhat boring. However, Luke Cage, the hero in the comics, um, love, 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 love. And he's a little bit more believable there. But what they do do in the comics in the last 10 years, he's now married to Jessica Jones and they have ah. a kid. And that's brilliant because they're a pair of supers together. But it's all about their kid. And, the, and she and Jessica Jones is like, we know we need to protect the little one. And she's she's retired from the superhero business because she just wants to be a mother. But all manner of, you know, badness and villains always kind of end up at her door. So she's like literally super mum, you know, giving them, a, giving them a good kick in. But it's all about them as a unit, which is brilliant. That sounds like The Incredibles. Well, that's what I was about to say. It's The Incredibles, but much but more real. believable. And, yeah, 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 yes. yeah. But who knows what little powers the little one's going to manifest when he gets older. But anyway, people don't pay... Well, people, people don't pay. No, they don't pay. No, no people no. don't tune in to hear reviews about a Netflix original series, do they? No. What they want right now here, Lucy, is tweet of the week. It's from the real Marmaduke. Mm-hmm. This is a sweary one. She says, "Me, Jim, Jazza, <laughs> Kate, and Roy. Is there a terrible <laughs> minibus crash with the regular six characters all on board?" <laughs> <laughs> I know. I do. I have spent the last fortnight going, oh, hello, to the to the radio. We'll have bloody Kathy popping up in a minute. Mm. I'm sorry, I've had a nasty cold. Oh, come on. That, that, that'd be too much to believe. would <laughs> <laughs> be like Captain Oates returning back into the tent, wouldn't it, if Kathy turned up again? <laughs> I'm back. Hello? Hello? I only said I'd be going gone for a while. Where have you all gone? <laughs> Loose. Shall yeah. we crack on with the end of the show? Because oh uh, we God, still have some nuggets. We, there is a massive do. list. So very quickly, I'm going to say uh, dungeonrum.com, go there because we've got a shop. Go buy yeah. some stuff. iTunes yeah. reviews, please send them in. Yeah. Now, people have been helping keep our little show on the road. We've had uh, the problem with the Russians. And even today, a Russian tried to sign up. And they couldn't sign no. up. Yeah, yeah. Wait. I can actually see. So you actually see they signed up, but they couldn't post anything. So, <laughs> so there are many people that helped us with our little Russian problem. And they uh, donated. And I think, Lucy, after yeah. three weeks of asking for help, 
we should give this roll call of donators a little <coughs> bit of a... That's yes. it, you clear your throat. Give yeah. them a little bit of a thank you by at least mentioning their names. What do you reckon? Yeah. Should we go for it? Go for it. Right. Andrew Horn. Lynn Fuller Love. Alison Smith. Caroline Moss. Catherine Kavanagh. Claire Belgard. Lonnie Bahar. Amanda Hart. Claire Easter. Jean Rose. MJ Gillespie. Victoria Cole. Mary Darby. Valerie Bayliss. Bronwyn Wood. Caroline McKendrick. Claire Asprey. Claire Howard. Claire Aitkin. Isn't it funny we had three Claires? I know. All together. Um, Denise Tomlinson. Hannah Barrett. Jackie Reese. Jim O'Hara. K.R. Whitbread. Leslie Greaves. Nancy Dickey. Love you, Nancy. Pam Crookshank. Sally Bowditch. Sally Wood. Sarah Evans, who's a big superhero fan. Sheila Snowden, who is not. <laughs> Tessa Herring. Maureen Freiberger. Quentin Bennett. Bryn Ranyard. Catherine Jones. Christine Scantlebury. Claire Wayneman. Glenn Alderman. Helen Palmer. Janet McKee. Jenny Allen. Karen Cunningham. Martin Greaves. Never heard Ray- of him. Oh, thanks, Derek. Rachel Ray. Sarah Hydes. Susan O'Sullivan. Susan Poole. Tracy Shevin. Felicity Ann Hope. Jacqueline Berthoud. Thank you, Jacqueline. Jan Mitchell. Julie Riley. Terry Gardner. Rose Mario. So thank you all of the above for your wondrous donations, which have helped us to sort out our Russian problem. Um, Work has been a little bit delayed on the website, but I absolutely will uh, get onto it this week in terms of the new developments with our um, WDUM 2.0. Actually, it can be WDUM 3.0 because what we have is 2.0. But anyway, now mm, we bang on about Patreon week after week. And this is a way for you to um, donate per show. Now, it occurred to me only after mentioning Patreon for about 18 months that actually it's spelt rather peculiarly. So we should actually maybe kind of spell, uh, say how it's actually spelt. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So that's patreon.com if you would like to become a patron and to donate. Which, because of Brexit, is now worth about £1.70. Now, um, here are all of our patrons in their glory. Sarah Harding. Jennifer Reba. Samantha Dean. Bronwyn Wood. Claire Howard. Anne Charles. Carl Astrell. Di Middleton. Amy Rose. Rachel Tolhurst. Tracy Shevin. John Burns. Doug Foynt. Martin Pickering. Candida Beeching. David Martin. Magic at Mungo's. Morgan Johnson. Andy Bent. Scott Matthewman. Lorelai. Claire Steep. Jean Rose. Miranda Johnston. Laura S. Silver Girl. Jim Irving. Sarah Amanda Hyde. Rosie Taylor. <laughs> Barbara Wiseman. Jan Mitchell. James Moores. Thank you all. You are all lovely. Very lovely, lovely, lovely indeed. Ooh. Now, folks, remember to get in contact. Uh, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe and uh, get your calls in. Keep them nice and brief. Uh, and remember what, what Juicy Lou said said before. Uh, we do love you all, yes. but the show is getting us having a certain amount of bloat. Um, <laughs> if you can't get on SpeakPipe for any reason, you can call in. The great thing is about the kind of calling in, it even works from abroad. Because our, our caller from Canada, our first-time caller in from from Ontario, um, she actually called in internationally. It's awesome. It all works. And that number, folks, is 02030313105 if you can't get the SpeakPipe to work. On social media, specifically on the Twitters, we're at Dum-de-dum. Me, I'm at Royfield. Harriet is at Shambridges. Sarah Smith is at Sarah underscore Smith. And I am at Lucy V. Freeman. 
on the book of face. You can find us by simply typing in dum-de-dum. Now, Lucy, mm-hmm. do you want to hear uh, my little conversation with the man who loves you but hates me? <laughs> well, well, you're going to put it in anyway, so there's not much point asking me, is there really? If you'd expressed a really heartfelt conviction that it was not going to add to the sum total of the show, I wouldn't actually put it in. Well, it isn't. Nah, it's quite interesting. Is it? Yeah. Right. Okay, then. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm well. I feel like I'm going to be taken to the cleaners. No, I was going to say, I mean, you've been to the gym with me. You've walked to the train station with me. I and, regularly... And I, I, annoyed I, you I, at every turn by the sounds of things. But, um, <laughs> do you know, I, I, the amount of times I've shouted at... I've not shouted, but I've gone, oh, shut up, Royfield. I did think when you read out my review, and I was I was, I was, was quite embarrassed, it did quite endear me to you because you read it out, and I thought, okay... No, I don't hate you. I mean, it's not like that. <laughs> if you want me to front up and say what I like about Dum Dum or what I don't like, sometimes you bug me a little bit. But I'm worried that you and Witherspoon and Andrew Horn and everyone else is going to sort of strong harm me out of my house, a bit like Rob in the bull. No, that though. I think you might you might have to worry about Vicky from from Cambridge. So she did oh, leave dear. a somewhat indignant call. Yeah. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Vicky from Cambridge here. I'm quite across Vicky from Cambridge. Um, I'm not calling about the Archers. I'm actually calling about the podcast, or rather, I'm calling about that review of the podcast. The guy, and I do think it's a guy, has, has got a right to his opinion, of course, but I think he's absolutely wrong. First of all, to say that Royfield's musings aren't very articulate is, frankly, completely incorrect. Um, I love listening to you two whispering on. So the main reason for ringing in was to say, please don't change that, because... It really is listening to you two nattering on about the archers, not about the archers, on topic, off topic, doesn't matter. It's like curling up in the corner of the ball and having a natter with your mates. And when I listen to the podcast on the way home after a shitty day, it's exactly what I need. It's just the tonic that I need. And the other thing is, um, he said something about the show being highly critical of the archers. And it's not. It's constructively critical. It's, it's critical when it needs to be. And it's also full of praise at times as well. So whoever it is clearly doesn't, has only listened to a couple of episodes or you know, has, isn't a regular listener. So I hope he does come on the show. I really do. And you know what? If he does, let me come on too. And I'll be Hillary Clinton. Here's Donald Trump. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I was a bit worried. I mean, Lucy was a bit upset by it, I think. I mean, she was quite, you know, she was cross. Lucy, you know? Lucy's more sensitive than me. Right. But, but then again, that probably goes, plays up to the fact that you said I've got an outsized ego or something. Yeah, and I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Lucy, I was a bit, she did sound a little bit cross and a bit upset. And uh, I don't know if I have a weird sort of, you know, attraction to her, but I was a bit, you know, <laughs> I was a bit sorry I'd upset her, really. I think Lucy feels somewhat protective, but I'm, I'm quite clear that Lucy's the talent and I'm the bloke who actually produces it. The reading out of your review, I think, was important because dum de dum is supposed to be incredibly informal. Though the show is edited, it's supposed to feel like it's not edited. Uh, so if you're going to have that type of attitude that whereby, so when Shambridge comes on, she can say, oh, I haven't got my notes, and, you know, and absolutely deliberately kind of plays up to the fact that it's kind of slightly chaotic, right. um, why wouldn't I read out your review? We ask people for reviews. Yours did somewhat 
take take me by surprise with its venom and well, and it made me laugh i just burst out laughing but my mom wants to know clem Cott, did you have a childhood that was lacking in warmth and love <laughs> you're kidding your mum didn't ask that she didn't uh, ask that. literally verbatim are you serious your mum said that that's really that's funny uh because I'll, I'll mention my mum in a minute because i think my mum would be a, view, a listener of your show mm-hmm. if it wasn't so potty mouthed and there wasn't all you know, this innuendo well, it's got better mm. uh and you can reassure your mum i had a fantastic childhood but, i mean to be honest i know you've got a certain script you stick to and you know you've got a beginning and middle and end and all that stuff and mm. one of the end things is you know you can write us uh i could quote it verbatim you can write us a review and you can keep this little show on the road and all that stuff I, I, you know and and you sort of trawl for reviews and to me it's like it's a bit like fishing for compliments and I was brought up that you don't fish for compliments you just let people praise you when you do something good or when you do something well I think one week you said something like oh you know leave us a really positive review and Lucy corrected and you went uh oh you know I know we want good reviews or something maybe I've got that wrong and one week I was like do you know what I'm going to give them a review and <laughs> And uh, and then you read it out, and I cringed to be honest. Thought, oh my god! I think I was I was harsh when I said that you were inarticulate. That was unfair. Um, I gave you three stars. What do you What do you want? Listen, I mean, I no, think- no, no. When Lucy was much more upset than me, and I, and I was laughing, I said, "Well, it didn't give us one star." And I said, "In effect, the three stars are for you." The the truth of the matter is, what we do is obviously fueled by social media, and right. that is our stock currency if we have a lot of reviews you know i said it had to be a good review you got the wrong way around i said any review a few weeks ago it was lucy that says well we want good ones and i went no 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 we just want reviews because the more we get reviewed the further we go up in the itunes charts the more downloads we get it's as simple as that and there's a direct correlation between when we started the show and us asking for reviews, and then us stopping asking for reviews for literally about a year we didn't ask for reviews. Right. But every now and then we'd just mention it. And the fact that our traffic, yes, it grew, but we kind of fell down the iTunes charts. So, um, and, I, and I think it's one of those things where people kind of, when I see people, I don't mean you, but people don't quite realise the difference between us and a radio show so we we ask for donations no one has to give us a penny if, if they want to give us something they can we ask right. for reviews people don't have to because we don't make a living out of this by any stretch of the imagination but i think between the pair of us we spend two working days a week probably doing this but you know lucy's always writing her notes throughout the week refining them but you know i'll do a little bit of stuff on twitter and then monday stroke tuesday is kind of blocked off for us Mm. so it's it's a lost leader and it's supposed to help us do other things whatever those other things are but the other thing to say is that when i kind of devised dumpty dum i never dreamt that two and a half years I'd be still behind the mic because right. Lucy is the talent. And I, and I say that all the time and I'm just the, the sparring partner who tries to keep up with her cause she's so incredibly witty and funny. Um, but I am a producer. So on do the, you mean, do you honestly mean that Royfield? You don't think that, you know, uh, walk away, let Lucy do it. What, why, you know, why is, why are you saying uh, that? Because still I, I said to Lucy after doing it for five, six months, I wanted to stop doing it. Right. There you go. 
I've said it more than once. And that's the reason why also we've had uh, Yokel Bear's done a couple of shows, Andrew Horn's done a couple of shows. Me being on mic doesn't further my professional career because I'm not a presenter. Lucy being on mic is completely and utterly different because she has she has an incredibly sharp wit. As long as people know that I produce the show, potentially I might get, you know, some further work or something else out of it. But me fronting that show each week means little and nothing for me professionally uh, in terms of being a presenter because I'm actually not one. You know, you would sometimes talk about children listening or you'd have a child, I think you've had children phone in before, but that's alongside all these kind of F words and and innuendo and stuff. And that just made me feel uncomfortable. And I think um, there is clearly a market for a companion show to the archers. I've come round to Dumbledore I mean, in, in lots of ways. And partly, I think, because that's eased back. There's a lot less swearing than there used to be, I think. And I don't know why that is, whether you're editing it out or if people are just kind of cleaning up a little bit. And I think it's a better show for it. People like my mum and her friends love the archers. And I would like to recommend this to them. But then, as Lucy said the other week, innuendo has made Britain great. And if you don't like innuendo, you're unpatriotic. Call me unpatriotic or something. I don't I, know. But, I'm, uh, I'm a bit worried because you seem to be getting your Royfield and your Lucy's mixed up because I said that. That's a little bit worrying because I said I fancied Lucy, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, no. I mean, and this is what I'm saying. I've stuck with it. Now, something has made me stick with it. And I guess knowing that I was going to talk Do you like self-flagellation? Is that what it is? It might be that. But I have obviously – it has become part of my week. And I do look forward to it. So what is it I look forward to? <laughs> Tell me. What, what do I look forward to in this in this two hours of hell? I don't know. Do you think it veers off a bit too often from Archer's conversation? But when it when there is reasonable discussion about the Archers, I enjoy that. You're you're a funny one because sometimes you drive me slightly crazy. You're quite dogmatic in your views. I mean, you'll you'll be quite strong in them. You know, you were dogmatic that Rob died when he was stabbed by Helen, and uh, and he oh, no, no, I wasn't. I was just wrong. And then you, I think when you did go off subject about the archers, you said, you know, when you were talking about Muhammad Ali, you said something like, um, boxing died the day that he retired or something. But maybe I quite enjoy getting annoyed with you. And maybe that's why I, can- I, I, I think, I, I think that's it, isn't it? You're not, you're not massively wrong, but I didn't absolutely say that. But in terms of, um, the heavyweight champion of the world bestriding the planet as an icon. Yeah. After Muhammad Ali, Evander Holyfield, Larry Holmes never had the stature of Muhammad Ali. They just didn't. He was lightning in a bottle. He came along at the right time politically uh, for black people throughout the globe who were coming, coming off of segregation in America, colonial oppression. And he was a black Superman. And there hasn't been a sportsman of that stature ever since and definitely not a boxer Mm. so maybe i didn't make the point clearly enough but i didn't say that boxing died the day that he retired the fact that the stature of boxing lost its luster well there is that but if you ask me what i liked the fatwa has been lifted and you know people are coming on I, I really, really enjoyed your interview with isabel middleton this week that was just a really nice listen what about, what about the accusation that I said it's a bit repetitive, the domestic violence storyline? The writers have done a disservice by taking it down the whole path of the stabbing. How many times have you made that point? I mean, that, you know, I would say that that point's been made over and over and over, although I accept that certain people might come on board at different times. Well, you've just answered my question is, for that, me. Is that your reason? Okay, there's your reason, yeah. 
So the thing is, I'm not really putting a very strong case here for the fact that I dislike Dumbly Dum. It's got longer, but I must quite like it because when I see it's an extra long show, I'm quite pleased. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You confuse me. You are a much more complex person than me. Well, they, and apparently, according to your mother, I had a bad childhood. So, I, you know, did she really say that? She didn't say that. Well, my mum likes to listen. She, she, was, she was quite upset. But do you have kids? Um, I don't. I don't. No. Mm. <laughs> I, and I realised that, the very fact that you said, did she really? Because if you did. Right. And it was, yeah. you know, if somebody has a go, has a go, any one of my kids, you know, right. I'm absolutely kind of in their corner swinging so it's just a natural reaction doesn't mean that she, that she was right i am really sorry mrs brown i didn't mean to, <laughs> I, I really didn't mean to offend your son and i'll come around and clean your windows on saturday morning or whatever i'm to do to kind of well, get in her good book i wasn't offended uh it was lucy was, was more offended mm. and so i think you should take this time now to apologize to her and then you and I uh, can have a virtual handshake through the magic of Skype and bid each other a, a good day. What do you reckon? Uh, Lucy V. Freeman, I'm really, really sorry. <sighs> yes, I wouldn't offend you because secretly I'd like to take you out for dinner. <laughs> and you, you haven't asked me. Actually, you haven't asked me mm. what, uh, what Archer's listener I am. And that's another thing I can't stand. I don't get that. What is that? You know, are you a Rob Titchener or a Marjorie Angebus or a, you know. So why are you bothered that I haven't asked you then? I don't know, because I was expecting, and you know, that's the whole, that's the full dum-de-dum experience, isn't it? The listener vintage is important because you have people like Cosmo who have been listening since the 50s. And there are a lot of people who've been listening forever. I have to steal myself and think, wait on a minute, I've been listening since 1984. And I think it just helps to put people in context because gives you a sense of what type of perspective they have on things. So Jill Archer losing it this week with mm-hmm. Pip mm-hmm. is in part to do with Elizabeth, but is really to do with Phil's wife, Grace, isn't it? And and, Yeah, but if you've only been listening to the thing for a couple of years, you'll have no perspective because you won't even know who Phil is because Phil's been dead for, what, four years, five years, Mm. whatever. So just that as an example, I think it, it gives you an insight into the person who's calling in. But then also it is a deliberate ploy to create a sense and a feeling of community Mm -hmm. uh, that you go, right, this is my pedigree. I can remember when this or that happens. And again, I would say, you know, the most successful podcasts, not all of them, but have inward jokes, self-referencing, where you, the long-time listener, you can keep up and you, you get it. It shouldn't be exclusive for new listeners, the reason I get a bit irritated is when you've got people phoning in saying, oh, can someone do a bit of research? I'm trying to work out, isn't it? When you read my review, mm. uh, were you, you weren't upset by it. I mean, you just thought... The day... We, we, I, was we, just, I was just really surprised that you brought it into the show. I was like, wow, why did well, you Well, because we can't ask for reviews and then also read a line or two and then just say, but actually, this doesn't exist. I'm much more 
thick-skinned, Lucy feels much more kind of protective. Uh, mm. And I'm just like, well, it happened. And the thing is, you were so damning. It went from not being personal. To be honest with you, you were so damning. I thought, well, he's obviously just got out of bed, the wrong side. The dog's just peed on his leg. His boss has just given him a notice, you know, a four weeks notice. Something's happened because it was just so damning and that I just couldn't take it personally. I think, but I think there's an interesting point here because I think sometimes with the internet and I, I'm, you know, I really, I'm, I really don't want to use the word troll because I, I don't see myself as a troll and I was a little bit nervous because someone mentioned that on uh, on Twitter and I, actually, you're, you're striking me as less egotistical in this conversation than I thought you were. But I think I was unfair to say you, you were inarticulate. That clearly wasn't fair. Just, yeah, I must have had a bad day. Um, so I'm not a fan of the archers then? Well, that was it. Yeah. Do you know what? No, you, <laughs> you and Lucy were discussing plot lines. I think one of them was, I think, when you were talking about whether Ian, or what Ian knew about Adam's oh, thing. Pavel and Charlie. Yeah, discussing it. And you were like, did Rob ever say anything? Or And you two couldn't seem to remember. Now, to me, that moment where he cornered Ian at his stag night and said, of course, you know, you know about Adam's infidelities. I thought it was a key moment. And you two seem to be struggling to remember it. And I, was like, I, I, I think what we got mixed up with is obviously uh, Rob had said, well, you know, you in effect, you dirty homosexuals. And we just we did kind of get confused about the fact that, yes, Jenny had said to to Rob about Adam's infidelity with, with Pavel. And we just got the two mixed up. But. I would defend that by saying that we don't want to come over as nerds and uh-huh. that and that is really really important so when we are thinking out aloud we are thinking out aloud so that we're kind of like your friends and you're just overhearing a conversation was that scripted absolutely not right mm-hmm. but I would I'd forever leave that in it makes you realise that the presenters are absolutely human. You're listening to two people have a conversation. And we're going to frequently get things wrong, get things slightly muddled. And that's the reason why it's a podcast, not a radio show. Uh, right. You know, if it was a radio show, we'd probably have a couple of researchers run, running up and down. And then the producer would have whispered in our and said, no, 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 actually, it was this and that was said and blah, blah. Go, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. But it, it, it would be a different show. It wouldn't be as intimate. Going back just to the, um, the ego thing. but. Um... Can you see why people might think that in the sense that, you know, this Roy Phil Brown production and, you know. My initial reaction is to say no. Right. But obviously my kind of my middle name is um, try and view things from the other person's point of view. Remember, you know, the amount of time that I spend on this, I'm doing this so that I get work doing other stuff. Mm. And so I need to create a brand. So the, the the other podcasts that I do all start off with the same little sting, but I'm a podcast producer. I'm not mm. a presenter. Yes, I, I ask questions on, on Mid-Atlantic. That's where my argument slightly falls down. But all the other things I do, I'm nowhere near the microphone. And, and that is the, the vast majority of stuff I'm nowhere near the microphone. It's like you writing an article mm-hmm. and not putting your name at the end of it. That'd be stupid. You've got to. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I don't think I'm a troll. I think I was in a bit of a bad mood that day and I apologize. And it's a lesson to me to not 
shoot from the hip and not shoot my mouth off without thinking. My, some of my friends jokingly used to still call me Mr. High Horse. You know, they're, <laughs> they're so after just... saying that I'm somewhat dogmatic. Yeah. But you know, the thing was, I was a bit nervous about doing this because I thought if I go if if I go on, there's a certain amount of ego and going on and taking up airtime talking about your re- own review or your own thoughts on a program. There's some ego in that. But then I thought, well, if I don't face up and kind of, you know, if I don't kind of want some, if I don't front up when I'm asked to come on and kind of defend what I've written or explain it, then that actually is a bit gutless. And I, I thought I can't not do it because that's that's not that's not right, you know. Um, so that's why I agreed to do it. <laughs> Maybe it's the Buddhist in me, but also it's the, the you were Buddhist. That's that would have really that would really wound you up. I used to mention that all that the time in the first nine months. Because yeah. I'm looking at studying Buddhism, so that's kind of really interesting. That's really you know it's something I want to do. So I might turn into Royfield. <laughs> <laughs> well, along with being a Buddhist, you got to become a Birmingham City fan to be to be to be me. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'll tell you what though, it's too far. And you and you're in Somerset, did you say? Uh, I was. I, I'm in Bristol. Now. All right. So there's going to be numerous Buddhist uh, Nichiren temples. The network is great when you get into it. People are incredibly supportive, and I think it is important for us men because I could tell within the first couple of minutes, start of this conversation, I knew that you didn't have kids. I don't know if you have a partner or not, but I know that as men we can be islands and and part of how we express ourselves so you said that the way you express yourself in that review in hindsight was maybe a little bit too strong and whatever and yeah, blah, blah, blah. I agree. right mm-hmm. um as men we some we struggle to find connection with other people sometimes or we overcompensate to not find connection and the the buddhist thing is really good in just feeling that you're part of a wider community where people don't necessarily rely upon you, but actually have your back and, and yeah. are actually concerned about you. And, and also all I've done is just ridiculously Buddhist. You've wrote this review, which was, you know, shitty and, <laughs> and, and pointed at me. And I've just gone, well, let me try and talk to this person to see what I can learn. And this is for me personally, as opposed to me professionally. And that's just classically Buddhist, you know, because right. even though, degree, yeah. no, I can see that. I mean, I'm sure it's, you know, it's a massive thing. You've got children. It's a, you know, you have to get up every day. You have to bring in a crust, you know, whereas mm-hmm. with me, I just worry about myself, which is, that makes you less ambitious. I mean, I do really busy at the moment, but I don't chase it like I used to. Yeah, but you know what? But but that's a good thing, and also maybe it's an age thing as well because you're not. It's one thing to be twenty five or twenty three, or you know, in your early thirties, and you're supposedly speaking establishing yourself. But if you do have a decent life at forty eight, you shouldn't be chasing it. Yeah, it's on. like that question when people turn around to you, and I don't know if if anyone ever catches you on the hop and says, "Royfield, are you happy?" I don't know if you ever get asked that. And then you're caught unawares and you kind of go, um... But somebody's more likely to ask that of you because you don't have the obvious trappings of happiness for somebody of your age. Yeah, I guess not. Are you, do you never get asked if you're happy? No, because even if somebody wanted to ask me that question, before they ask me that, they're going to say, how are the kids? Blah, 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 right. blah, blah. What I... would yours be? Yeah. 
Right. Okay. Don't well, get me great. wrong. It's not that I'm not saying I couldn't be happier. I, it's not. I'm, I'm not saying that I couldn't be more content. Maybe. I don't worry about it though. Cool. There we go. <laughs> oh, got hot ears under here. Oh. oh. Me, me arms gone dead because I was lying on it on the bed. <laughs> right. Do you think we can? Can we claim workplace related injuries? You've got a dead arm, and I've got hot ears. <laughs> Who are we mm. claiming from? That that's the, that's the question. That's a very good question. Mm. Right, um, Zoe Kunst. Beg your pardon. Uh, she sent us a message <laughs> saying, "Where's Goddess Diva and Jan from Can?" Uh, on the Twitters uh, Donald Trump was to speak in Ambridge on Monday did you see that? yeah yeah yeah. Um, listen to the podcast on the train Deb from Germany did the message get played or did I fall asleep good god I miss loads anyway right okay Lucy um, is there anything else we need to say to each other? um do you know Sarah Passingham? Oh. Is this a conversation we've had before, isn't it? Passingham? Yeah, Sarah Sarney. No. She kind of looks a little bit like Selena Scott in this picture. Oh. Mm. For some strange reason, whenever I see her, I always think of you like she's some pal of yours. No. Mm. Anyway. I'm going to retweet that, though. That's quite funny. Which one? The cat lying on its back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was, it's a dumpty mog, so that I always re- re- I know. retweet. So, are you retweeting it? Oh, you've already I done just it. Have. Oh, well yep. done. You're quick. Hmm. All right. Well, I best get off and do this after I've eaten some dinner with me mum and dad. Ah, uh, go on then. All right. What are you having for your dinner? Um, pasta. What very, are you having with your very pasta? Dull. I don't know yet. Probably just. Cheese. Oh no, there's some chicken. I've just remembered. Yes. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, all right cool okay I'll, I'll do the the twitter thing now to to tell people that it's who's on smash in all right love. So, okay. bye, bye bye bye